Welcome to episode 7 of the Dead Serial Podcast. I'm your host, LJ. Before we get started with my guest, Dustin, from Black Magic Gumworks, I would like to give a quick shout-out to DJ Heaton from DH Knife Company. This is an upcoming and local knife forging company out of Sugar Hood, Utah. His product's 100% handmade, comes with a lifetime guarantee. Custom orders are available, and you can find them on Instagram at DHKnives. I'm sitting down with Dustin Killer D. Hammond. He's the owner and operator of Black Magic Gumworks. He's an FFL custom gunsmith. He's put a lot of time and energy into his craft. We're going to catch up a little bit, shoot the shit about gunsmithing, and see where the conversation takes us. What's up? How are you, man? Good, good. How are you? Good. Appreciate you coming over on your Sunday and nerding out with me a little bit on my podcast. <laughs> yeah, no worries. So, no worries. you're the owner and operator of Black Magic Gunworks? Yes, sir. That's correct. FFL Custom Gunsmithing? Yep. How long have you been doing that? About six years. Six years. And you're running out of Salt Lake City? Yeah, yeah. I have a full-service professional shop in Salt Lake City. I came and checked that out earlier this week, so... You uh, humbled me in what I thought I knew about firearms. <laughs> Tends to happen. Yeah, which I think is important. A lot of you get a lot of guys out there that think they know shit about guns. I'm probably guilty of that from time to time too. But I don't know shit compared to what you got. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't. Um, just years of formal training, vocational schooling, uh, learning from the best in the business. So, and the desire to want to know how these things work mechanically. Yeah. Not how cool they look. <laughs> Nothing like that. But how do these things actually work as mechanical objects? Function, function and performance. Absolutely. Absolutely. And how can we make these mechanical objects within this gun work better together and make the gun shoot better? Yeah. What's your favorite rifle? And what kind of rifles? Uh, bold action rifle. Oh, uh, Remington 700. Remington 700. Yes, absolutely. What's your grouping at 100 yards with that? Uh, on a gun that you've Did I have custom built, blueprinted yep. action, put the barrel on, did the dang deal. Yes, sir. Every one I've ever done has easily been a half-minute gun. <laughs> or better. A you lot of them are same holes. For people listening that don't know what that is, do you mind defining that? A half-minute gun? Yeah, a, a one minute of angle is a one-inch group at 100 yards. So if your gun is shooting half of that, if it's shooting a half-inch group at 100 yards, that's a half-minute of angle. Okay. That's shooting a half-minute. Nice. But, Thank you. Uh, like I was saying, it, that's, and that's pretty much with ease. So a lot of them shoot better than that. <laughs> so that's awesome man uh, how long you been in Salt Lake City about a year about a year yeah oh, you lived out here before I've known you yeah yeah time. yeah I lived out here in the early 2000s so came out here lived with the homies and <laughs> tore it up for a minute nice you got a, a thing for Cadillacs I think you bought a Cadillac recently yeah right, I've, uh, right after you moved out here yeah I got a 1980 uh, Coupe de Ville Triple white, white top, white interior, white paint, 68,000 original miles. Damn. That's my third one, my third coupe. They're my favorite cars from 79 to like 84. Cadillac Coupe de Ville's are my My granddad always had Cadillacs. He always had my grandma driving a Cadillac. So. Something about that square body in those years. And then 80 was the first year they made the square back window. Nice. Before that, it was slammed the back, slanted one. like from 77 to 79. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's at the mechanic. I plan on fully restoring it, making it like showroom new. That'll be awesome. Are you going to show it? No. Car shows or anything? It's just well, you, maybe. Right? I'll just, yeah, it, maybe. That's a possibility. That's the level I want to take it to with that thing. <laughs> That's badass. Like, literally, I want to look like it just rolled off Cadillac showroom floor in Fuck 1980. Yeah. Now that would so, be badass. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful car. Well, outside, uh, you know, kind of step away from firearms and, and other interests and caddies. You and I, we both collect tattoos, and you've been getting some 
pretty bitching stuff done lately? Oh man, it's <laughs> I've been on a pretty good binge. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I've been getting. I try to stay consistent. I try to consistently get tattoos and fill up space and just do the deal. Yeah. Get it over with. Yeah, That's I mean, I it's not. Yeah, <laughs> it's not so much get it over with. It, it's it's not so bad anymore. After certain places have been tattooed, it gets a lot easier. I, in my opinion, it does. I, after my after too. my back piece, that was like the worst thing I ever went through. Nothing's as bad as that. No, so it's <laughs> for me. It's just like. I don't know, just trying to stay consistent and do it, and it, it's been a part of my life for like 20 years. Yeah, we have a lot more work done than I do. <laughs> well, yeah, but we've all been getting tattooed since we were 18, some yeah. of us younger. 15, 14. Totally, so it's been... Yeah, a, some shitty it's, tattoos. Yeah, But oh. professionally, since I was 17. Yeah, I've had so some. So over half my life. I've made some big mistakes <laughs> in the tattoo game, but... Yeah, I got a, a couple of those. I'm once covered, yeah, once I'm, blown out and faded. Totally. So, yeah, I'm fortunate to be able to get tattooed by people that know how to do cover-ups really well. And life goes on. You, yeah. You do it, you cover it up, you get it out of your life, life goes on, and you look <laughs> forward to the next one. So, but yeah, it's, you know, after 20 years, it's, it's like... I don't want to just drop that part of my life off. No, neither do I. <laughs> I it, love it. It's a part of your culture. Totally. I, totally. I love getting tattooed. I love getting new tattoos and just ideas and things in my mind pop in and I'm, I'm getting that tattooed on me. <laughs> so it's just, I don't know, something about it. It's, I guess you can't really explain it. It's can't put just, your... Thumb right I can, on yeah, it. I yeah. can't really put it into words. It's just a part of my life and my culture. What are you listening to music-wise lately? Dude, everything. I'm the same way. Yeah, every dude. It's everything across the whole spectrum, from gangster rap to <laughs> uh, classic Western movie music, like Ennio Morricone. You know. <laughs> you jam that way in the shop. Uh, no, most time in the shop it's metal. Metal? Slayer? Slayer, death metal. I, I'm a big death metal fan. Suffocation, Cannibal Corpse, nice. Deicide, things like Campbell that. Cannibal Corpse and Deicide. Yeah, so. <laughs> but usually the iPod's just on shuffle. Random? Yeah, random. Yeah. If I don't like it, I'll skip it or whatever, but. Yeah, I listen to everything, it, dude. I'm not. I'm not like this is better than that or this is that shit. Sucks. This is my music. No, That's yeah, my I think there's I think there's good sounding music in all genres, truthfully. If it's good, I have an appreciation for it. Totally. And totally. you kind of accept. Totally. If somebody's talented and good at what they do. You're kind of a dick to not take a second. To Absolutely. I mean, even when it comes down to like techno or house music, yeah. some of that shit sounds too. awesome. EDM. <laughs> yeah, and I have no clue how they do it. Well, yeah, well, so it's a buddy Chavis. He nerds out on that a little bit, but I kind of have seen mixers and shit that they get. But yeah, it's all foreign to me. Yeah, I have no idea. How, yeah, it's, what I'd be doing, <laughs> but it's good. But I would say in in my 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 favorite stuff is is all the metal and a lot of country western, old country western. Nice. Classic country. Yeah. Have you heard the Ugly Valley Boys at all? No. Nope. Salt Lake City? No. Nope. They'll maybe take us out at the end of this episode, but I think you dig them. They kind of have that honky-tonk, old-school sound. And That's killer. I've been jamming that this week. They dropped a new album. Noise dropped a new album last week. Uh, what else came out? Sean McClarity turned me on to Off With Their Heads, and that that's awesome, like kind of punk rock music, but all over the place, too. I think uh, through McClarity's Facebook page, he turned me on to Cody Jinks. Cody Jinks is good. Yeah. I like Chris Stapleton. Uh, Sturgill Simpson, by far, is one of my favorite he's, modern country singers. He's awesome. He's and then absolutely Shaky awesome. Graves is rad, too. 
Dude, you can't forget about Wheeler Walker Jr. Oh, well, no, you cannot. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> He's a savage. I love that guy. No, that's badass. Totally. But yeah, no, I, that's a lot of... A lot of those songs, Waylon Jennings songs, Dave Coe, Merle Haggard, all those dudes, Lefty Frizzell, nice. Conway Twitty, something about it, like you can relate. Well, yeah. to what um, the stories they're saying. telling or yeah. the things they're saying. You don't know these people, but you almost feel like you do. Like there's an association. Yeah, like, whoa, I understand what he's saying right now. I understand what he's singing about. I get it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get it that way with Johnny Cash a lot. Yeah, totally. And uh, Woody Guthrie, big Woody Guthrie Oh, he's fan. the best. He's so good, dude. He's the best, dude. All my you favorite song. are going to lose. <laughs> dude, my favorite Woody Guthrie song is about the Russian sniper lady, Miss Pavlyuchenko, I believe. Why does that not ring a bell? It's, dude, it's a savage song. On Spotify like a fiend when we're done. Yeah, he's talking, he's singing about her, and then he's like, more than 300 Nazis fell by your gun. <laughs> yeah, it's sick. I'm going to like that. He's not, rarely, I, I don't like getting into politics, but anytime Woody Guthrie gets into politics, I dig it. <laughs> yeah, but that was a different day and age, dude. Oh, totally that was different. World War II, whole different, whole different era of life that we will not ever comprehend or understand yeah because it's the greatest generation yeah yeah Yeah, it's 2017 dude we're never going to understand that world war ii generation well you think just the age of our country and i mean freeways didn't even exist until after world war ii big time in the 40s and you know why he's growing up you know if 1920s whatever you're not in the freeways you jump in your car and and drove from california to salt lake city and the truth about the freeways being made was for military transportation that's why we built a national highway system so we could transport things to different sides of the country militarily on a large scale and quickly and efficiently. Yep, that was the whole mentality of the highway system or the freeway system. It wasn't for the people to, oh, we're going to drive to Denver tomorrow. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So, but that's what it is now. Yeah. Well, I think, didn't we get the concept from Germany and the Autobahn and Europe? Totally. And yeah, that's crazy just to think about. That wasn't that long ago. Well, we need to remember we're like the youngest country ever. We're the youngest civilization ever in yeah. the history of human civilization. The largest melting pot in the world. Big time. I mean, Europeans have thousands of years of history on us. Thousands of years. And it's insane that you put it in that perspective. And, but that's I mean, how it is. That is how it is. So you have to... You just can't compare. You can't compare us to Germany or no. us to this place. Or, or Scotland. To, you yeah. just can't do it because... You, and even, it's almost like you can't... You can, it's close enough in its history, but the West Coast to the East Coast is totally different. Totally. The West the Coast is the, the newest, coast is, yeah. youngest Freshest. cities. <laughs> and Yeah, totally. So it's... And, Americans are Americans. It's a like you said, a melting pot. It's yeah. a diverse country of people of all shapes and sizes and walks of life. Which makes it great. Absolutely. It. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not boring. No. It's everybody is an in every has an individual is way of whatever. Yeah. But individual. When, but when you're you're in Scotland, you're the, it's the Scottish, right? It's a <laughs> yeah. culture of Scottish people. Same with Germany or Norway or Russians. Right. And it's those thousands of, of years yeah, and of, of course there's history of course that, there's different people that live in those places, but as a whole, right? It that's you know a country of those that culture. And we are not that. We're a country of hundreds of different cultures all trying to mesh. Yeah, and get along. Totally. Which overall, it, it goes good, but it's a nightmare. I mean, you don't think... Right, over the weekend, I watched Sons of Liberty on Stars, which was... I mean, it's kind of cheesy, but the guy playing George Washington fucking killed it. And just to see that history of, of Sam Adams and John Hancock and even John Adams and, and all these people, Paul Revere, like, I, it's just cool looking back at They were at not stupid. But Our it, founding fathers it was hard. were... 
Fuck very, very smart. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They knew Benjamin what they Franklin. totally. They knew yeah. what was going on. They knew what they were doing when they wrote the Constitution. Dude. Yeah, and the Declaration of Independence. Checks and balances, bro, and it's worked for two hundred years. Major fuck you to King George. <laughs> and it's worked for two hundred years plus. Yeah. So, yeah, but again, different day and age. Yep. Not gonna get back to that. Well, cars, tattoos, music, back. Back to guns. Cool. Do you, do you every day carry? No. You don't? I don't feel the need to carry a gun. <laughs> Believe it or not. Sometimes in my vehicle. Sometimes, but... Other than that, it's yeah, unnecessary. Dude, I'm, I'm 40 years old. I've been in some gnarly situations. Crazy shit in my younger days. and My mentality is so much different today as a business owner and just being a grown man and right wanting to succeed and make something of myself and shit so my mind's not even there yeah my mind's not even in a violent set you know or what i mean defensive or state of not mind. not at all yeah i i'm That's not awesome. offending anybody i'm minding my own business doing my own thing i don't no one's after me, you know what I mean? And I, what do I do? I work in my shop and go get groceries, dude. Hang out with my friends sometimes. Do I feel the need to carry a gun in Smith's grocery store? No, I don't. I do. I, and I don't feel like anybody's coming after me, but it's kind of that balance or equilibrium of it's my it, right to. It's insurance. And it should be it's insurance. exercise, and it's, then it's insurance. And I totally support I don't care because I want to use my firearm. I do not want to use my firearm. I do not yeah. want to engage somebody in a gunfight. That no, sounds you don't. like a scary motherfucking situation. <laughs> but if I'm with my wife at the store and somebody rolls up that's just some punk not looking for me but looking for my wallet, I totally you know what I mean that, so that's I, my I, I have nothing against it I go ahead carry dude I have no qualms about people conceal carrying right. a weapon just I'm 100% for it just personally don't feel the need I yeah I just to, to pers- I don't nice I mean I just and there's nothing wrong with that either <laughs> you know what I mean people people make the mistake of I, I'm good at what I do I'm, I do gunsmithing, I repair and customize and do shit with guns every day of my life. That's how I make a living. But that's not my life. Like, guns is not my whole life. Yeah, so that's it's, just, it's my are. job. It's what I do. Nice. I'm, not, I'm not some crazy gun fanatic that's got all hundreds of guns stored away somewhere. And it's not, I got the basic necessities of what every man should have. Well, and hopefully, I feel like I do. I've got a couple shotguns. Exactly. An AK. Well, you, a good assault rifle. A good assault rifle. A few handguns. A good shotgun yeah. and a good handgun. That's all anybody really needs in your home. Right. A bolt gun is good if you like to hunt or you never know whatever happens in the world and you have to go get some food somehow. So Right. There's a purpose for those things, but like I said, that's not... I spend so much time working on guns and, and doing shit in the shop with them. It's just like I have to have, you have to have separate myself yeah. from that and have whole all kinds of other things that I like. You talked about music, tattoos, and yeah. other things that I think about. You know, yeah, my health, walking my dog, exercise, just life beyond work. Yeah, you have so, to be able to step away. Totally, it's like coming totally. home and doing projects on the house and it's like I kind of don't want to do a project on the house because oh, I did that for 42 hours you have no week. idea how many like <laughs> so I hear you gun things I have that are just in parts and stages and just like I've had <laughs> that personal for, I've had, yeah I've had yeah. this for five years someday I'll get a stock for it <laughs> you know what I mean so I get it no that's rad you watch any good movies lately um, you like new movies, old movies? Yeah, I, I actually I liked the new Thor movie. Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, was I thought it was a good movie. Yeah. I liked it. 
And then I really liked uh, the new Murder on the Orient Express. I haven't seen it. I want to see it so it, bad. I liked it. I, I liked think it. I'm, it I'm it, just old enough to remember the original. It's really hard for me to for movies to keep my attention. I'll be watching them, and ten minutes into it, I'm like, I'm bored. <laughs> or this movie sucks, or whatever. So if I make it through a movie, I think it's pretty good. Nice. But I mean, I pretty much watch. I got DVDs for days. I had DVDs for days. I've got like a dozen DVDs and Blu-rays now. I got so. tons of DVDs and some, some good bootleg websites. <laughs> Can watch things that are whatever. Yeah. You get it. Yep, I understand what you're saying. Well, I asked you for a movie clip. I asked everybody for a movie clip. And you're like, I don't know. What do you want? <laughs> but we settled on one now. And I'll, I'll use that. We'll take a quick break. Grab another ginger ale for you, another Coors Banquet for me. And kind of pick up for another 30 minutes and bullshit a little bit more as the dogs come running in. But, uh, yeah, so I'll take this out, and we'll come back after the clip and wrap it up. I don't deserve this. building the house. Deserves got nothing to do with it. I'll see you in hell while you money. We took a quick break, played a clip from Unforgiven, the bar scene at the end. Yeah, yeah. I, you finally kind of chose a clip because you were like, I, I don't know, what do you want? <laughs> Why do you think you went with that one, though? Why was that? That was kind of your first go-to, so I ran with it. Oh, because William Money's a savage. <laughs> he is an absolute savage. Totally. I don't know. That's Clint Eastwood's character. Yeah, yeah. I love westerns like that. I love characters like that when they're just total savages well then little bill gene hackman's characters yeah yeah he's supposed to be the good guy he's totally the villain oh he's and, totally and a, he's gene hackman he's great at it so you, he, he does really good yeah. at it yeah he's Both supposed to be the good off. guy but he's a total piece of shit <laughs> in that movie but yeah i just yeah it's pretty cool william money dude killer of women and children dynamite the rock <laughs> So yeah, he, like yeah, that. he, yeah, he's just hard. You know what I mean? Just, just a tough ass man in that movie. I like, the, I like shit like that. The cinematography is awesome. Obviously, it's a western, so totally, just that totally. Time frame. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned yeah. American history before. That's and, a, a good. And Clint Eastwood comparison. knows what he's doing. Hell yeah. He, he was does. in some of the best westerns you'll ever watch, you know what I mean? Which was cool with them being in Unforgiven is that it was Clint fucking Eastwood. Totally, totally. <laughs> and just a savage. Hell Rider, man. That's like one of my favorite Clint Eastwood movies. Big time. <laughs> so Big that, time. That's badass. Uh, oh, forgot to silence the cell phone. Outside of, of that, kind of getting back to Black Magic Gunworks and firearms, the favorite handgun. 1911? 1911 pistol all day long. Custom build or from a particular <coughs> manufacturer? Excuse or? me. Doesn't really matter who makes it because uh, when I get my hands on it, it totally gets rebuilt. Manufacturers are mass producing guns. Okay? And that's why I have a job. There's imperfections when you mass produce. Yes, and I mean, I know I know more about guns and how they should work and how the parts should be than most of the manufacturers do. When you went to school for gunsmithing, but yes. you walked away with two degrees? Two degrees. I have Associate of Science in Firearms Repair, and I have an Associate of Science in General Gunsmithing, and I have six certifications of accomplishment or achievement. So one's gunsmith TIG welding. I did two years of TIG welding as part of the vocational schooling. 
uh, metal gunsmith, metal finishing, gunsmith machinist, um, pistol smith, rifle smith, long gun smith. Just I went for took me three and a half four years to complete my school. Yeah, I did the vocational program was two two and a half years, and then I did a year and a half of general education. Nice to get the degrees. So it was actually at a vocational uh, program on a college campus in Northeast California, believe it or not. Well, I gave you a shout out on episode four and mentioned that you were a wizard at your craft and a genius. And then you really, when I came to the shop this week and was talking guns with you, it's like every, not every sense of confidence, but like every bit of knowledge I felt I had in guns just dissolved. (laughs) It's you blew my mind basically. It, just that's what happened for me at school. I found this school. I went up there to do a couple summer job, summer classes, not jobs, excuse me, and um, took these classes up there, like two weeks of gunsmith machining for the summer gunsmithing class at the college. And when I was there, it opened my eyes, and it was like whoa. This is gnarly. Like, these guys are not playing around. Did you have a quick thought of what have I gotten myself into? I immediately joined the two-year program. I immediately signed up and registered and moved my whole life from the Bay Area up to the mountains in a town of 5,000 people. Just to go to school? Just to do this schooling. Nice. And then I just found I was really good at it. And I understood what was going on. Because they're not... It's not like this is how you push the pin out and this is how this yeah, comes You're not out. field stripping a pistol. No, you're no. They're talking disassembling. Yes, they're talking hammer. about the shape of the hammer hook and how much the hammer weighs. The mass of that hammer and this hook and this hook's here for that. If that hook's missing, somebody's been in there. Get that <laughs> hammer out and put in a good one. has to have a safety notch. You know what I mean? This, it like, no, I don't know what you mean. Just really I'm insane. Really trying to pay attention. Insane mechanical engineering stuff. Just down to thousands of inches and fitting barrels correctly and breeches. And you're dealing with tons of pressure. Yeah. Like when you shoot a nail gun at work, what right. is your compressor set at? 120 PSI. Okay, so when you shoot your AR-15. Or in my case, my AK-47. Okay. Relatively, they're relatively the same. Okay. But besides you, the point. Besides, okay. So when you go, just when you go and shoot your two twenty three, your AR fifteen or your two twenty three cartridge, fifty five thousand psi. Insane. And that's on a two twenty three Remington. Yeah. On a five five six NATO, it's up to sixty five thousand psi. <laughs> just put that into perspective. Yeah, I, you know that, your nail gun is about hundred and twenty thousand, or excuse me, hundred and twenty psi. PSI. Boom, sinks a nail all yeah. the way through. Sixteen penny nail framing. No top. problem. Yeah. So imagine sixty six thousand, sixty five thousand. So people, that's, that's the that's what people need to comprehend. These things aren't jokes. They're no. not toys. They're tools. They're tools, and they're meant to be used correctly and. Have, correct fashion and a safe and correct yeah they're not toys they're not hey look at this look at that i mean when you see somebody accidentally get shot you will realize that whoa these are not this is not a game was that something i guess three feet from me in school the range at three feet from me at school 45 acp into my buddy's back accidental discharge was he all right yeah yeah, he lived. He actually was came back in class on a cane like the next day or what two days fuck? later. Yeah, but the bullet stopped two millimeters or something from his spine. It ricocheted off the floor. So what had happened, there was a student in class that supposed, this is our theory, that he had a light primer strike on, his, on a cartridge a bunch of times, so he just figured it was a dud. Oh, no. And was using it as a dummy round. What the fuck? Yes, you can't fix stupid, dude. You he can't, used the you, live round as a dummy round. He, yes, but in his, this person's mind, they thought it was oh. a dud. 
No, in your mind, because that, that, whatever. I, mean, I got, yeah, yeah, I, I get it. Sorry. I get it. So stupid. we're in a 1911 Sorry. class, and uh, the teacher goes, "Put your dummy in, rack the slide, point to the f- floor, pull the trigger, feel your trigger jobs, basically." Okay. And uh, we were refitting barrels too, so we were welding up our barrel hoods and drawing the welds back with torches in the class to relax the molecules and refit the barrel hood so you have no loose breach in the gun. And all of a sudden, he's this, that, there's pop! Everyone's looking up. I thought it was like a map gas bottle popped or backfired or something. (laughs) And then I look up and right in front of me, three feet, Josh, my buddy Josh, he pulls up his shirt and his middle finger just sunk into a hole in his oh, back. Oh, shit. And it was just like, when he pulled up his shirt, dude, I'm telling you, it was a waterfall of blood, bro, within like seconds. there, it, His whole ass and pants were just covered so, in it in like three seconds. And his finger went into the hole, and he realized he got shot. Like a few, a couple seconds went by yeah. before he realized it was, so, it went, time went slow motion, dude, when this happened. It was so crazy. And then he realized what happened and he started pacing back and forth. I got shot. I Did got he go shot. shock? I kind of just went, okay, he's walking. He's got his hand on his back and he's walking back and forth talking about he got shot. So that's a good sign. Right. And I kind of just put my head down. I didn't know what to do. There were a bunch of law enforcement guys in the class and it got all serious and blah, blah, blah. And the teacher immediately just opened the phone and called 911. We had an accidental shooting at the class. And what I vividly remember, dude, at some point, Josh had gone into the gunsmithing professor's office. It's like their own office in the registration area of the campus. Right. And it, everyone's like, oh, we're just get out of the classroom. We're done. Classroom, just leave. Everyone leave. We leave. And I walk by the office and Josh is on his hands and knees begging to not die. Dude, I can't even fathom that. It was so unreal, dude, to see like a 26-year-old kid. Excuse me. No, you're fine. I'm just kind of giving you a second to... It was touching, dude. Yeah. That's got it. I can't, like I said, I can't even fathom. Like, he was begging for his life. Damn. (sighs) On his hands and knees. But everything, horrible story. Yeah, dude, it worked out. It worked out. Dude, it was crazy. (laughs) Yeah, he was on his hands and knees. Please don't let me die here. Damn. And he didn't. That unlucky, lucky. Holy shit. Yeah, it was crazy. It was. I never really thought about it like that till right now when you asked me about it. I've told the story a ton of times. But when I really think about it, dude. Just put wild. everything into perspective. Pretty, it was pretty wild, dude. Real? It was yeah. just real and just. Yeah, you just realize, like, these things are no joke. Firearms are no joke. They're not, it's not not, fun and games. No, and it's not like, it's, you know, and then there's a huge civilian market for it. And there's a ton of marketing in the game and a ton of stuff and, and be cool and, yeah. And and be like the Navy SEAL on the Bin Laden raid. Buy our gun, and you'll be the you'll be the next operator. And 
It's just like you're on your own for training and safety, but here you go. Yeah, you, you get you it. It's just marketed into like this idea of like it's cool or you know I don't know. It's hard to I understand explain. what you're saying. It's, it's, it's just it's like a accessory yeah, more than a tool. Yeah, and tons of aftermarket stuff that is out there for guns that is just crap and actually makes them work worse. Makes them unsafe. And unsafe. And it's just like... You, that was the biggest thing drilled in our head in school. was safety, 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 dude. Safety first. That, you know what I mean? All safeties always have to work. Yeah, I've always. Got, I've gone through two concealed firearm permit classes because I had one 14, 15 years ago and then I was a dumbass and got a speeding ticket and Indeed. forgot about it and went to renew my CFP and they said, nope, it's been over it's 60 crazy, days. Dude, but I... in both those courses, there is range time and range tests and the biggest thing that they push is you don't want to use your firearm and you need to handle your firearm safely. Big time. And I mean, I've had you know people... how to operate your firearm. Totally. And I mean... One of my, a good friend of mine I've known since I was 13, one of his best friends when they were like 16 or 17 was just twirling a gun. Boom, it went off, he blew his own head off. At a party. Just playing around, dude. Yeah, don't play around with your firearms, just, please. <laughs> yeah, and you, I get customers that come in. Can you defeat, can you remove this safety? No. And I'm just like, First of all, I have a, a business here with a lot of liability. Yeah. So, no, I'm not going to do that. Because if you go out and shoot someone with it and you go to court, you're going to tell them, I did it. Yeah. And then now I'm You gonna, made that firearm unsafe. He the gunsmith did it. I, did. I don't know what he did. He told him to do a trigger job. Blah, blah, blah. No right. one ever going to fess up to whatever they've done. And second of all... If you decide to defeat this and have it done and you shoot somebody with it, even if it's justifiable, guess what they're going to do? They're going to take your gun, they're going to have it looked at, and they're going to find that a safety was defeated. And now there's going to be questions. Yeah. And why was this safety defeated? Did this person do it to make it easier to shoot somebody? Was the intent? It, it, it just opens up a whole new can of worms so to speak I can't believe anybody would even ask that honestly I can't people just don't <laughs> think and then a lot of people just don't know they just don't know the law they, they're unfamiliar with the law and they're just people trying to have a good time having some fun playing with their guns or whatever right yeah. and then you have blowing shit up bro you educate them on don't the law and they're, they're like guns, I didn't even know <laughs> There's a law called constructive intent. You may not have a fully automatic weapon in your possession, but you have the parts to make your gun a fully automatic weapon in your possession. So therefore, it's constructive intent. You're intending to construct a fully automatic weapon. And Which people is against just, the law. Yeah, and you can get a tax stamp and get a full auto sear and trigger pack for your AR-15. Yeah. And have a full hey, auto 200, AR, 300 bucks, whatever it is. But you can also go to the gun show or go online and buy a full auto sear and trigger pack for an AR legally, without a stamp. If you don't, it's not illegal to have the parts. It's illegal if you have the parts next to a gun that can that's, take those parts. That's the black and white. That's where it becomes constructive intent. But being, if I don't ever have, never have an AK in my house ever, or an AR in my house, right? but I have a, a full auto AK trigger pack that my buddy who bought a parts kit just said, here, check these out. They're cool mechanically. Because he's building an AK or whatever, yeah. right? I can legally be in possession of those parts. Because there's no AKs in my possession for those to go into. So a, a lot of people just think, oh, but you can buy those parts at the gun show. Yeah. Well, can I buy it if I can't do it? They're drop-in. <laughs> okay, hey, maybe they're drop-in, dude. But there's a law against possessing 
fully automatic firearms without the proper paperwork. Yeah. And you don't and that even paperwork being a stamp. Yeah, and you don't want to know what the mandatory minimum is. I think we should say it if you know it's it. Ten years. That's a very ten year mandatory minimum. Just for having parts for a particular. Not, it's not constructive but, intent. Constructive intent. But if intent, you have the parts with that if same you have, firearm, if you have a fully automatic weapon that you should not have, that's that you don't mandatory have ten years. years mandatory minimum. That's the law. When you went to school, does that did get you... enforced that way? No, I know plenty of stories of people who got wrapped up. <laughs> with shit they were bad just playing ideas, around with decisions. they got a good lawyer made some deals they weren't criminals or nothing yeah. they were just kids out in the desert having fun we've all been those kids so we still are sometimes <laughs> it's just yeah I mean you get it though yeah well they I mean you mentioned being familiar with the law do you, did they have you study any of those firearm laws in school the last week of school is basic the ATF and the California DOJ come in for a week and it's basically questions and answers nice. week on firearms rules and regulations. In particular, and what you are allowed to do as a gunsmith and what you're not allowed to yeah, do? Yeah, there's, get, there's I mean, definitely a, boundaries. A broad there's umbrella. definitely boundaries. Gunsmithing, put it this way, and it, it's, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous, but let's say a customer brings me A parts kit for an AK build. He brought me the parts, but okay. he doesn't have the receiver. And I, this is just hypothetical, right. so I can explain the law. I, okay, yeah, I'll do it. I'll get, I'm an FFL. I yeah. can buy AK receivers all day, every day, come right to my books, do my thing, whatever. So say I get a, order a receiver, get it to my shop, and then. I put that parts kit into that receiver. That makes me a manufacturer of firearms, which I am not licensed to do. Right. Okay. There's he would, a difference that between... customer would still have to, if I was a manufacturer and I did that, he would still have to do a background check before okay. I handed him the rifle he commissioned me to build. Okay. But so as an FF, I'm a dealer gunsmith. So I'm a type one FFL. So I can't just like buy AR receiver sets and build guns out of them, build ARs and sell them. Because then you're That's manufacturing. manufacturing. But say you as a customer come to me now and you have the AK parts kit and you have the receiver. You have all the have parts. Everything. It's in your possession. Okay. The receiver's yours. You have everything. Now I can build that rifle for you. That's gunsmithing. You supplied all the parts. You already bought the receiver. You did the background check for the receiver. Okay. Or maybe your friend gave it to you. I don't know. It's not my job to ask. But <laughs> yeah. anyways, now so you brought me you brought me the the parts kit, the barrel, the trigger, everything you want for that gun on that gun and the receiver. Now I can do that AK build. I just called the ATF about this the other day because I had a receiver swap on a Wasser 10. I took a Wasser 10, I took the trunnions out of the Wasser 10 receiver and put the gun into a new receiver that was capable for the triangle side folder. Okay. Was cut for it, had the front latch notch, everything to be a triangle side folding AK. Why did you need to why did you feel the need to contact the ATF about it? Because I wanted to make sure to cover my own ass. <laughs> like this, you mentioned, you have a lot of liability. A lot of liability, yeah. and I've worked so hard to be where I'm at with my business. I'm not trying to piss the ATF off. Nice. I'm not trying to do anything to step on their toes, dude. I want to do it by the book and run my business above board and legit. Yeah. You're a professional. Yeah, Absolutely. So when something, if I have a question, like, can I legally do this? So the customer brought me the washer and the new receiver. So I call, I said, I have to do a receiver swap to the, my agent who I talked to. And he goes, well, that's manufacturing. I'm like, well, he brought me the receiver and the washer 10. He, he brought, brought everything. He brought it. Oh, then that's gunsmithing. Just log both receivers in his rifles. 
And then the new one is going to be the even though, because if you get just a receiver in your shop, like say someone brings me an AR lower for Cerakote. Okay. That's just a receiver. Right. That goes in my books as receiver. Because it's just a receiver. It's not a rifle. It's not a pistol. It's an AR receiver. It could be an AR rifle. It could be an AR pistol. It could be a 22 LR something you're putting on top of it. So stripped receivers or frames have to go in the books as frame or receiver. Okay. So these were why I was calling my agent to see (laughs) what's up. So I told him that and he was like, no, just log them both in as rifles because that receiver that's coming in has the parts to be assembled into it for a rifle. And you don't leaving. have to acquire uh-uh. And I said, what about money? the old receiver if I have to destroy it or something? And the agent goes, oh, just log it back to the customer and let him deal with it. So I was like, all right, cool. This is a go. I covered my ass. I called on something that I was questioning the legitness or the legality yeah. of. Not that I I was pretty sure I was allowed to do that, but I just wanted Better to be sure. Better safe than sorry. Better safe than sorry. So... You're a professional. It took you a long time to get in. in yeah, and you just don't and, play games. You yeah. keep you you. They'll get you. They'll get you. Without they, fail. Yeah, they do <laughs> audits and they come out and they inspect your shops and they go through your books and they make sure everything's in order. And if there's guns open in your books, like for me, there's 30, 40 guns in my shop all the time that are in my shop and they were acquired from on. customers and they're not dispositioned back to customers yet. So when the ATF comes in, they start looking in my books, and they go, where's this gun? Where's this gun? Let's see this gun. Let's see this gun. And every gun that's in your in books, books that hasn't has been, be in there. That hasn't been dis- dispositioned has to be accounted for. Yeah. If something's missing, you m- say you give a gun back to a customer and you forget to log it out. They're going to go, where's this gun? And you're going to go, oh, man. Oh, shit. Violation, dude. They'll write you up a violation. You're allowed so many. Okay. Because people make mistakes. Yeah, totally, totally. And eventually, if you you just don't do it, if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, they're going to pull your FFL. They're going to pull your license. And I have to have one legally because I keep customers' guns for more than a 24-hour period. How long? I mean, I was going to ask how long does it take... For you to work on somebody's gun, but that's got to totally depend on what it type did, of firearm, totally, what they want done, yeah, was like, it functioning when it came in my shop. I have a dude, he's coming over later, he took apart his HKVP9, dropped the recoil rod, the retaining end cap came off in his spring and his rod. He tried forever, he can't get it back together. <laughs> so he hit me up, remember me, can you help me? Yeah, bring it by, it'll take me less than two minutes. Probably 30 seconds. Throw it all back together. Just boom, boom, here you go, see you later. Charge him 20 bucks or whatever. Nice. Shoot the shit for a minute and send him on his way. So there, there's an example of something that takes a few seconds. Another example, I have a old Weatherby Mauser, a 270 Weatherby Magnum Mauser act, barreled action in my shop that I'm rebuilding or redoing for a customer. Nice. So it's going into a whole new stock. So I've, it's just, I've been inletting the barreled action that to was the, the one stop. You were yeah, you saw it. Yeah, yeah, you saw it. And you saw what it takes yeah. to do. It's not that's like. It's insane, dude. It's time consuming. It takes time, but that's how you do it. And that's how it looks right and correct and professional. And this dude is trusting me with an heirloom gum, gun of his family's that he wants to look completely. Brand new. Absolutely brand spanking new. Nice. So. I've had that gun. That gun's been in my shop for five or six months. Well, and it's going to take time. It's probably going to be there a couple more months. But like you said, at the end of that process, it'll look like the steel's growing out of the wood. It'll all just be uniform. Yes, and then now this customer picks up, and you know what? Yeah, I made some money. But he's got a smile on his face, oh, yeah. dude. That, that's, that, that fire means the world to him. Dude, that the right there, I, yeah. I do 
right by so many people and certain things I could charge way more money for that I don't just because I know someone wants their gun to work and it's an important gun to them. So sometimes a smile on someone's face is worth more than the money. And a good word, that's a good word, good reputation. Yeah. That's what keeps real. So in school they tell you that 97% of the gunsmiths in the world aren't real gunsmiths. Meaning... They're, they're, not gunsmiths. they're not professionally trained. They they kind they they 80% get it. They don't have two degrees and they, spent Yeah, they and a half weren't years vocationally and... <laughs> trained by basically the best in like Bob Dunlap taught my school for 30 years. He taught all my teachers. They worked in his shop. Bob Dunlap Remington calls Bob Dunlap we're having a problem with our pump shotgun. The pumps keep cracking. Can you solve this problem for us? We're tired of replacing pumps or the wood that yeah. goes over the pump. Bob goes, yeah. Pulls out an 870. Mills of groove down the middle of the freaking wood pump, the wood forend. Because they would water a boom, 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 boom around the pump sleeve there's a okay. sleeve with action bars that goes over the mag tube and that right. pump goes the end goes over that so that would boom boom water swell heat cold and then they would crack down the middle so he just mil milled it out problem solved problem solved and now every 870s <laughs> like that from the factory nice. Norinco firearms in china calls bob dunlap dude we just made a new service pistol we want you to fly you out here and come look at our new service pistol and tell us what you think. And he just get, overhauls the whole thing. He'll go through it and be <laughs> like, it's, I don't know what he does, yeah. I, but these are, you know, these are, that's the best of the best. I mean, people uh, who know what firearms witness professional in court cases as a firearms examiner, he get, they call him to look at guns that were used in crimes or murders or certain things to look at these guns. Were these illegally modified? Was this this? Was this that? For court trials. Yeah. So he basically everything I learned is from that man's mind. He was a mechanical engineer that took up gunsmithing. When Bob Dunlap was like was 14, insane. from what I heard, when he was 14, he was doing gunsmithing stuff, dude. Just geeking out on guns. When he was a teenager. Like a Tony Stark of Yeah, firearms. yeah. So <laughs> he just, he's the one that came up with all kinds of repairs, the common malfunctions in all guns across the board, lever guns, bolt guns, revolvers, gas-operated rifles, uh, locked breech pistols, blowback pistols, just everything you can think of, we went, we went, we had a class on. And that's what we did in school. We learned firearms repair and how to repair. This is what you do if, you know, a Winchester 94 is doing this or doing that. And here's what else you can do to make it never, ever do that again <laughs> and make it this much better and this and that. Dab a little weld on this so when the finger lever comes down, it mechanically locks the carrier. That carrier cannot move anywhere now when the lever's being held up. Well, I think you showed me that. Exactly, example of that on which Wednesday. will eliminate right. cartridges stalling coming out of the mag tube onto the carrier because the carrier's locked down. It can't be up a little to get caught on. So that's what school was, learning how to run bluing tanks, park tanks, doing Cerakote. Uh, real gunsmithing. Real gunsmithing. It was a full gun shop with like 15 mils, nine lathes, a bluing room, uh, heat treat ovens, just, I mean, everything you can think of. That's awesome. TIG welders, just the whole band, just band saws. Can't, we had a cannon <laughs> lathe. The cannon lathe was humongous, dude. It was, the chuck on it was like as big as your steering wheel in your truck. <laughs> it was so cool. That's badass. And it was the real deal stuff, like the real deal, like not this is what makes a 1911 look cool. But this is how a 1911 is supposed to be mechanically fit. 
Nice. When you do this, it has to do this. If it's not doing this, you need to do this. When it's doing, when this does this, it has to do it like barrel fitting. People don't understand the link, the barrel link in a 1911 is the heart of that pistol and barrel fit in that gun. If there's a flaw in that barrel, that, that... It's not necessarily a flaw. It's just how it's fit. The factories are paying blind high school dropouts on drugs. That's the <laughs> saying that was told to us in school. By our Are you serious? That's yes, the same? Andy Andy Faircloth has walked through Remington and walked through Colt. He's been through all these places. And that's exactly what's going on. They're in an assembly line and they're paying somebody a very cheap wage to drop parts in a gun and move it on. Why do you think so many factory guns malfunction? Good point. So we, you know, and the barrel fitting, they're not going to pay some, some shops do, some places do, but for the most part, they just want that barrel to drop into the slide and go under the gun. They don't care if it has loose breech. Loose breech destroys your gun, ruins your accuracy, all kinds of stuff. So we learn how to correct that. Weld up the barrel hood, weld up the lug feet. Get it to the slide stop, can lock it. Get your breech tight from the breech hood to your lug cuts and your barrel. Just have everything fit correctly and then there's tests. So on everything. On barrel fitting, there's three tests. You pull the slide back, hold the barrel, and let the slide slowly push your hand off the barrel. A lot of slides will hang up before it closes all the way and won't push your hand off the end of the barrel. You got a short link in the gun, which means the barrel's getting pushed up into the slide at a certain apex of closing. And it's and, not allowing, and not it, allowing it to go forward all the way into battery. So when you're trying to feed, now you're pushing a big old 220 grain 45 ACP into a chamber, and you're trying to shove that thing home and lock that gun up, but the link is boom at an apex pushing the barrel up into the slide it doesn't want to go home yeah so short link test barrel needs to hit on the recoil lug not on the link so there's another test for that there's an opening make sure the gun <laughs> opens correctly test so if your barrel's passing those three tests it's properly fit nice if it's not it's not properly fit it's that simple. Go back and make adjustments and correct. Do whatever, file here, fit here, do whatever you have to do to make that thing do what it's mechanically supposed to. The way John Browning intended it to be. <laughs> and nobody is smarter than John Browning. Just put it that way. That's good to it's, know. It's that simple, dude. John Browning is the most revolutionary firearms man of our time. Most... I would say 98.9% of guns in the world today have a John Browning design in it. Which, that speaks volumes. Dude. Yeah. Yes. Speaks. He's already done it. He already figured out. Why reinvent the wheel what situation? Would and he said the simplest gun is the best gun. Nice. Well, it's why he never got go in, wrong, right? He never got into revolvers. They're like fragile. There's lots of moving parts in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like a 1911, a very simple gun. Very simple, yeah. sturdy, rugged. So it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. AK-47 trigger, AR-15 trigger. Guess where that came from? Browning. The Browning A5 shotgun. The Browning Auto 5 shotgun. <laughs> no shit. Look at a Browning Auto 5 trigger. It's, it's the same trigger. Very, very, very close. It's the same, yes, it's the same idea. It's the same thing. A disconnector back here, a sear up here, and your hammer. It's, it's <laughs> Even the AK-47 safety is a browning safety. That's insane. Yeah. I, I, mean, I never people, knew that. Um, it, there's just, it's so crazy, dude. <laughs> the whole... Well, I, and, my world of guns is a lot different than most people's. It's absolutely different. It's a lot than different than, like, you, a, you it's, humbled it's, the shit out of me coming down to the yes, shop. Yes, my world. Taking the time to my, try to dude, get me to my wrap world my head around it. Is on a whole, such a different level that people, they just. It's hard for them to A, comprehend, and, and B, they just. I don't know. It's. My world of it is. 
Because I'm the one that deals with the dude that bought this $3,500 custom gun from this certain company. <laughs> and the gun can't even hit paper. You were telling me about that. He can't too. even... It's yeah. a $3,500 custom... Doesn't even hit Bolt-action rifle and 300 Remington Ultra Mag. And the gun... He gets three... He shoots one group. It's about an inch and a half. After that one group, it just opens and he can't even hit paper. $3,500 he spent. That's ridiculous. And then he's going to pay you roughly how he much? He brought it to me. Right I rebuilt the gun, blueprinted the action, put a real barrel on it, put a shilling barrel on it, and the gun's shooting half inch all day. Nice. Easy. Which we talked about a, earlier. With a 300 Remington Ultra Mag, that's... The cartridge is a good portion size of that group. Nice. How can people find you? I mean, do you prefer just word of mouth? I know you're on I Instagram. I have word of mouth. You've got you a little can, bit of YouTube content. Yeah, going. my Instagram is a huge thing. I've got 26 or 27,000 followers, over 3,000 pictures. Yeah. Just and even pictures. pictures. Like yeah, and there's, there's pictures back into when I was in school. Making my own tools and just doing my thing. I found something that I really liked and wanted to do, so I just went for it. And you're the best at it. I just went for it. So, I mean, it's... It's impressive and well done. Yeah, like like I was saying, there's few percent of of real gunsmiths that are understanding the physics and engineering and what's going on and what's safe and what's not safe and what you can and can't do to these things. Right. Is there anybody you want to shout out or anything in particular you want to mention? I think we're hitting our hour time frame. No, no. Uh, I mean... Any questions for me or anything you want to... Thanks for having me on, dude. I know it got a little weird talking about that little scene in school, but... I almost wanted to ask you at that point if you wanted me to stop, but I'm glad we didn't. No, no. It's just... It's just... People need to, to hear those stories and about those situations yeah, and understand this isn't about it's not a cosmetic accessory that you go we, we, and yeah, play with totally. it is a tool and it's one thing to know how to operate and function you know and but be fucking safe be safe and smart yeah, and be safe. just so i mean we I joke about it now his you know? his nickname believe it or not is bullet trap <laughs> but i mean it was just it was just and he's a, lucky to be able to joke about it now that could and yeah I mean it's that's yeah so thank you for sharing that and I you know I I mentioned on the outro but I really do appreciate you taking the time to come over and hang out and totally it was awesome to come over to the shop and, and kind of catch up and uh, I'll have you back if you're down we'll, we'll have you back in the future yeah we'll see what's going on just see kind of catch up some more maybe I'll send you with one of my guns today and I can talk about what we do yeah, we'll get it done. Between now and then, I'll probably have you have a couple of my guns on. <laughs> no worries. Rework and take care of them. That's what Educate I do, my me. friend. Awesome. Dustin, give you a All right. handshake. Yeah, there. yeah. And that's a wrap on Episode 7 of the Dead Serial Podcast. I really appreciate Dustin taking some time out of his day to come over and catch up. Don't forget to check out my shout-out on Instagram, DJ at DHNimes. You can also follow the account for this podcast at dead underscore serial. Do no harm. Take no shit. At the time that I recorded this podcast, I haven't heard back from the band taking us out on the outro, but I figure it's better to ask forgiveness and permission at this point. These guys have been a local favorite of mine for a long time. I was a bartender at a couple shows when they played to the Republican. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ugly Valley Boys.
See when you 